Okay, we're going to get started. Um, yeah, maybe three, depending on how many this goes. <laughs> I know that it's, uh, oh, okay. again, I know we're all in, this, in the election spirit that's that's uh, ahead of us. Um, but this is a very uh, difficult week, um, a week that we were all um, really, that the events of Shabbos lunged us into something that was terrible and made us, uh, caused us to contemplate and think about things that we never thought we'd have to think about here in the United States. Um, and the, the massacre, the butchery, the killing of the 11 uh, victims in the Beis HaKnesses, in the Shul, in the, the Tree of Life synagogue. I Even had that not terrible thing occurred, I think that um, I was thinking about the Yurtzeit this coming Shabbos of the Harnof massacre, which parallels and mirrors uh, what occurred this week in Pittsburgh. Again, during the middle of davening, uh, uh, a, a terrorist entering the building, a murderer. Um, I actually have a, a number of friends who were davening in that shul at that minion during that time. One of my closest friends in Chavrusas, Rabbi Ephraim Stein, uh, he has spoken about it publicly, and it's incredible that not many people know that, but it was in Birchas Ritzei, the Broch of Shmon Esrei, that the murderer, the Ritzeyach, um, reared his head. Um, and if you know the Nusach of the Broch of Ritzei, the Korbonos should be Niskabel Berotzain, and that moment was when uh, the Korbonos started to accumulate. Um, four years has not weakened the, the sense of pain, and what happened this week really ties them together. I'm going to apologize in the beginning for not having the, the names that these individuals from Pittsburgh were given uh, the names, the Hebrew names, the names that people would daven for them, or the names, unfortunately, of the people who had been wounded. Um, I didn't make a super attempt to find it, but again, we dedicated to, and then it's up here on the board, and Daniel Stein, Joyce Feinberg, Richard Gottfried, Rose Malinger, Malinger Jerry Rabinowitz, Cecil and David Rosenthal, Bernice and Sylvan Simon, Melvin Wax, and Irvin Younger. Um, I know that the Levias are happening maybe as we speak. Some of them happened yesterday uh, because of the uh, autopsy uh, demands. I, I know that the Kepra the Kedisha in Pittsburgh I read about was very on top of things, trying to not only Nebuchadnezzar gather the remains and you heard of what the FBI agent said, how terrible that imagery was of having to gather the remains, but also to make sure the kura was done as much al pihaloch as possible. So obviously during this shiva, when the neshamas are in a sense still here in this world, much stronger than they are after shiva, so we dedicate the shir, we will neshmosam as they hopefully in some way, maybe not just in Pittsburgh, but hopefully we can invoke them as well through our sense of connectedness. And again, the names, of course, of the Niftarim from from uh, Harnof. Um, much has already been written about them. Um, uh, somebody actually texted me. I, I didn't see the email. I didn't read it. That he knew uh, Rabbi Rothman quite. I think it was David Bernstein. He knew Rabbi Rothman quite well. Um, many of you probably knew Rav Moshe. What? Moshe Tversky was your cousin. Which one? Arya Kavitsky was your cousin. Um, he was the very big labor the strong one, the big one. Yeah, they were all incredible. Again, their lives. I, I, I basically, I'm not going to have much time if I spend so much time speaking about them, but I will tell you that the Kehilas, um, that shul is an incredible shul, Kehilas B'nai the way it became the big show it became is a lot of incredible stories from Rabbi Rubin, uh, who is the rub of that show. 
I can tell you, not only did my friend Davin there, but so many people in Harnof go there to Davin. And if you go to their websites, they have dedicated in the last four years an incredible amount of Chidush Torah and ideas. They have a special site for the Kedoshim and there's incredible information that you can find there, not only about the people who died, but just brilliant, beautiful ideas in Torah that, 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 that have been um, put in, put, have been stored uh, in their memory. I wanted to also speak, if I could, and maybe we could, you know, talk about this next week, because as we know, part of this subject, uh, unfortunately, is connected to the tragedies of the 20th century and the Holocaust. <laughs> next week, of course, I think marks, in many people's mind, the beginning of the Holocaust, the Kristallnacht, the anniversary, the English anniversary date of Kristallnacht, which in Hebrew, I think, was actually on the 15th or the 16th of Cheshvan in 1938, but November 9th, I believe, is the night, or 8th, or 9th, or 10th, that's when Kristallnacht began in various cities in Germany. So that's going to be next week. So we could probably uh, lead into that. And I think it's important to talk about Master Sergeant Zedan Sief. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name properly. But th- he, of course, is a person who died trying to save Jews and actually did save Jews, a non-Jewish Druze officer uh, who gave his life. And if you remembered some of the news reports at the time, uh, Rabbonim and Rosh Hashivas made it a point of attending his funeral in whatever, I forgot the city where it was, the Druze city, but they went there and there were buses that were actually rented in order to show not only a karas but also a halachic understanding of what it means when any person gives up his life for Jews and Judaism. And I think when we th- when we think about Sergeant Zeef, we should all see, we should also, of course, think about the policeman. Um, I posted it on the yeshiva uh, our, our yeshiva's new, uh, just, I don't know what it's called, Slack. the Slack site, uh, the incredible image of the little girl uh, from the Jewish day school, letters of Akaras Hatoiv that they had to the uh, Pittsburgh police force and first responders. Anybody that thinks, and we talk about Kristallnacht next week, and you know what the police and the authorities did then, uh, the uh, complete ignoring of everything that was going on, the helping and the aiding and the betting. And if anybody should ever try to make comparisons to the level of uh, anti-Semitism or hatred that's spurring in America compared to Nazi Europe uh, or Germany, just think about those images of those uh, policemen, those valiant men and women who ran in um, and risked their lives uh, despite whatever things they were wearing. So we should really talk about uh, though them as well, not only the, the not only the Jews. Okay, I write over here, and again, it's, it might. Uh, before we just start, I know I'm, the drinks. By the way, lahavdo benachaim uh, benachaim. The drinks are a donation of, of Yoni Greenstein, who had the mazel tov, the schus of twins, twin boys being born, and uh, we wish Yoni a great Mazel Tov, and we thank him for contributing, Mitzah Hashem, this, talking about Kedoshim and talking about Sadiqim, uh, both of these boys should be Zohar to, to become great Yerushalayim, Sadiqim, and Kedoshim, and as I wrote him today, the Makab of Mashiach, we thank Yoni for his drinks, and we wish him all the best. Um, this is something that we say consistently. What does it take to become a Kodesh? What does it take uh, to become a Kodesh Alpi Halocha? We're, and I guess let's put the question right here, front and center. Um, should we, when we, I always refer to the Harnof Chevres Kedoshim. It's been my regish, and maybe it's because I come from a European Holocaust background, to refer to anybody who was killed uh, as a Kodesh. Um, but I, as a little bit of research has found that it's not so simple. So I want to be honest about it, about, uh, again, what do we mean? A person, uh, where all, did all of these 11 in Pittsburgh, can we say, just like many people have said in the secular press, I haven't seen it so much in the Frum press, can we refer to them all as Kedoshim and people who died, or Kiddush Hashem. And you could say, well, Kivalevich, what does it make a difference? You know, uh, if they if they have the level of Kiddush Hashem or not, if it's really Kedoshim or not. I, I think it isn't just, and I think, I hope you'll agree with me, it isn't just a theoretical exercise. Halachically, do they have a Kaddish or not? 
I think it also helps us understand their deaths and to put it in perspective and to elevate it. There's a lot of rage and frustration and anger and crying. I think one of the things we can do when we, when we talk about the way they die and, and, and examine this, I'm not talking about being dispassionate, but, but examining it from a, an intellectual perspective tinged with understanding actually elevates them. And I think it really would be a source to speak about it. And even if it turns out that, again, we're, we're not going to walk out of this room halachically different, perhaps, but at least we'll understand what it is the Rabbanu Shalom wants and perhaps some new aspect of what it means to live B'Kiddush Hashem as well and die B'Kiddush Hashem. So um, I'll start with a, um, a, a, a statement that I found uh, here, and I hope to be it's going to work here, uh, um, a statement that's attributed to one of the G'dayle Oilam uh, one of the most brilliant men of the mid twenty of the twentieth century, and that's from Menachem Zemba. Menachem Zemba, of course, uh, was one of the um, uh, rabbonim that were left in the Warsaw Ghetto. Um, and as you can see here, this is a quote from Dr. Hillel Zeidman, uh, and he supposedly was in the Warsaw Ghetto. He was one of the survivors of the ghetto, and he quotes here. Rav Menachem Zemba. Menachem Zemba was not a Rebbe himself. He was a Gera Chosid. He felt himself to be a Chosid of a great Rebbe. But the Gera Rebbe's were very brilliant. Rav Menachem Zemba was, could match them in, in his brilliance. He continued to consider himself uh, a Talmud uh, of, of the, of the Gera Chosidim. He was also famously a very close friend of Rav Meir Simcha, the Orsameach. So <laughs> you can see you're talking about really brainy people. Anyone who's learned Masechta uh, Shabbos has probably uh, cannot move an inch without his classic book, the Taitzos Chaim, which is really, at least in terms of what the Malach of is. So again, his other Svarim, again, Menachem Zembo is world class. Look, according to this, Menachem Zembo, who died in Warsaw Ghetto, he's one of the, as we'll call him, the Kedoshim, what did he say? And it, by the way, uh, it, it seems from uh, documentation that there was a number of Catholic um, priests who had uh, allowed the three rabbis remaining safe passage in 1943 out of the Warsaw Ghetto, including Menachem Zemba. Menachem Zemba refused to take that passage. He felt that that would be, and again, this gets into another question about escaping the ship, so to speak, and he felt that he would stay, despite the fact that he uh, could have lived beyond. What did Menachem Zemba write? He said, according to this, Menachem Zemba said the following, Yesh drachim shonos l'kiddush Hashem. The mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem has many aspects. Ilu yichrichu kiyo misayudim l'shmad, ve'efsho yilinatso yidei hishtmadut, kamo besfard o b'shaz kuseris t'lat nav, so there's a lot contained. I could have started anywhere. There's a lot contained in these three lines. We all know, and again, I appended the Rambam, and we'll take a look at it if we have time. And of course, the Rambam in Hilchas Yisodia Torah speaks about the mitzvah Kiddush Hashem, quoting the Pesach in Parshas Achrimos, or Emor, I'm sorry, Parshas Emor, V'nikdash di v'tzeich v'nei Yisroel which is the mitzvah everyone has to embody the ideas of Kiddush Hashem. And the Rambam starts with the most extreme situation, which is where you're given the choice of living and denying a mitzvah or dying, uh, fulfilling the mitzvah. Meaning the choice was about, are you going to be a Jew? Or are you going to fulfill this mitzvah? It could be Judaism in general. Or is it about uh, a specific mitzvah? And again, the Rambam explains, as all of us know, based on the Gemaras and Sanhedrin, that it makes a difference about how that choice was offered to you. If that choice was offered to you in a situation, of a private situation, where it might not have gone so well known, so there, the, according to the Rambam, a person has to choose life and violate the uh, Avera. If, however, it was done in a very public way, or it was done during a period which the Rambam calls Shas Ashmad, 
Shmad seems to be that the purpose is to get not to get Jewish people to give up their Judaism. So then, even on any sort of minig that's connected to Judaism, a person would have to give up his life. So there the choices are obvious, as he says. Uh, if you take a look at one of the uh, uh, Schwartz, Rabiel Schwartz, who I have to say, again, he's, I've always been a fan of Rabiel Schwartz. He's, been a, he's a Haredi Rav who writes about very topical subjects, and that's always been uh, what he's about. I, I appended three different sections from Rabiel Schwartz's book. Rabiel Schwartz actually uh, makes it a point, as far as this goes, uh, that, again, uh, when he talks about this choice, clearly uh, the choices, the way Klal Yisrael had them, were usually this. He shows that even the Pusik and Tehillim um, uh, the very famous pasuk that, that is quoted in, uh, in Hashanas and other places, where um, <laughs> that whole parak is really talking about even how David Amelach Baruch Hakadosh saw it of the period where we were asked to give up to El Zor, we were asked to say that we are going to become servants of a foreign god. This seems to have been the constant <coughs> idea from the time of David HaMelech, even if David HaMelech meant that in, in, in Tehillim, all the way through the Tkuf, of course, as we know, the Tkuf of the Yavonim, where we know that if you would Shmatzach, that was the Tkuf of Shema, that if you would decide you were going to go over with the and, and accept the Greek way of life, then you could live. So obviously this period was something that's... That, that was the standard sense of Kiddush Hashem. As he says, Desfard, obviously... Uh, in Spain, so therefore, the, cho- the choice to die is itself a Kiddush Hashem. So, which was here not the choice. In the Warsaw Ghetto, and afterwards, even in the concentration camps, of course, there was no way you couldn't decide that if you become a Christian, that you would live. You couldn't say, hey, can you stop this? I'm joining you, okay? Give me the swastika. I'm ready to do the uh, goose. I'm ready to do the goose step, right? Get me the mustache. I'm ready to join. No, that wouldn't work. In fact, as we know, as everybody points out, that even people who were Christians and who were a- acting as if they were Christians and living a Christian life... And didn't know that they were Jewish because they've been Christians for several generations. I, I, I'm not sure of the amount of generations, but you're correct. They were discovered through the incredible... You know, Germans are good researchers. They're good scientific researchers, and they did their research. They found out. They know how to take records, and they did whatever they could to find some connection. They brought people back to Judaism. And again, this is really one of the incredible aspects of, of, of the Shoah. So there you could say, well, there was, that wasn't a choice. The firmest closet to the most assimilated person who thought he was a Christian would basically be persecuted and eventually killed. So where's the Kiddush Hashem? You don't have the halachic Kiddush Hashem the way the Rambam describes it, the way it's described even from the Gemara and Sanhedrin. Part of the reason is, is because maybe the only parallel, some of you are probably thinking, is Zeres Haman might have been the only parallel. Even there, I'm not 100% sure, but the idea that you're killed, not because of your religion and because of what you represent as the Jewish people, but because you are essentially a Jew, this was something that was new. Um, Part of it is because up until that time there really wasn't a bifurcation between being a Jew and practicing Judaism and representing the ideas of God. Part of part of it is the evolution of the, from the from what we call the Enlightenment and other parts of what was happening in history where you could actually have a racial Jew without being a religious and spiritual Jew, and therefore you could zero in and say, "But you are a Jew because." Again, the DNA, they didn't know about DNA perhaps the way we do, but they understood that it goes down the generations. This was something new. So here, Rav Menachem Zemba said, So the fact that you are a Jew and you were killed because of you were a Jew, even though you didn't have a choice, is in itself a, 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 a Kiddush Hashem. 
And according to Zaidman, the Rabbanach of follows the Rambam. Um, now, this part, however, is a little bit um, controversial. Again, we're not talking about the Warsaw Ghetto per se, but this is what the context was. <coughs> there was a question. I don't know who phrased, who came to him. Was it uh, Ansalevich? Was it uh, a group of Rabbonim? Was it a bunch of from people? But Ramanachim Zemba was asked to give his decision. What should we do? Again, they're planning on, again, you know some of the history. They were planning, it was Pesach, they were planning on any way pretty much evacuating the ghetto, which meant they would actually pretty much send everybody to the extermination camps. The question was, should we do what we can? We've already, we, we, we have a couple, we have, they had their weapons. Should we do whatever we can to rise up and start a fight and, and try, even though we're going to lose and they will definitely win, but should we die as in this heroic fashion? That was the question of Menachem Zembo at that point had a third Kiddush. In other words, there's, there's basically two Kiddushim here in this statement. Kiddush number one is that quoting the Rambam, that anyone who dies because he's a Jew, and that would mean anybody who's targeted, right, as a Jew, even if he's not in a shul, right, anybody who dies, right, that would be, for example, the question that comes up today in Israel all the time, uh, anybody who's neretzach bepigua, as they call it, somebody who has been a terror, uh, has been the victim of terror, does, is he called a kodosh? According to Rabbi Zembo, quoting the Rambam, Yes. The third Kiddush of Rabbanachim which is really not so much our issue, is that if the person is trying to kill you, and even though you know you're going to die, the fact that you fight for your life, the fact that you show that person that Jewish life can't be extinguished the way you think it is, the fact that you make that battle, even though it's a battle and a losing cause, is in itself also a part of the idea of Kiddush Hashem. These are ideas which it's, you have to work hard to insert them into the idea of what Kiddush Hashem means. That somehow fighting for your life to show, I'm not going to let you kill me, which of course is a biological imperative that almost, you could probably be true from almost any human living thing, any sentient human would probably want to fight and you're not going to be able to kill me. But yet, if it was done with this sort of intent that we're not going to let Jewish life you, you might kill us, but we're going to take down as many of you as we as we possibly can. We're going to fight. That itself, again, according to this, would be an idea of Kiddush Hashem. I should point out, if you looked over here in this footnote, and I did some research on this, um, maybe those of you that were from Borough Park remember Rabbi Elberg, Rabbi Simcha Elberg, he was uh, the editor of the Parde, of the Pardes uh, Torah Journal. I saw him many, many times because he always sat on the dais of whenever they had these rabbinical conventions. He was always around. He was a, he wrote beautiful. He wrote a beautiful writ, despite the fact that he was a, uh, a, 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 a you know a, a European who was living in, in America. According to this, in Helberg, and I couldn't find this, I don't know if the Modia hasn't digitalized their, their newspapers yet. Maybe they have, but I couldn't find it. But according to this, it's false. Menachem Zembo was not, uh, uh, it didn't happen. Um, how does he know? Because he knew him. Sort of like uh, Benson said in the, uh, in the uh, debate against... Uh, Quail, remember? He says, I knew Menachem Zembo. I knew he didn't say that. I knew what type of person he was. Um, also, he says that Menachem Zembo's son never mentions it. So probably didn't happen. I act, again, this is not a, again, I have to say it because I don't know, again, since I'm using, I'm using Menachem Zembo so much here, uh, there's a hakosha whether he ever said it or not. Because obviously the people, especially, I know Phil Zeidman was an ardent Zionist, but we know for many years, the whole idea of Yom HaShoah was Yom HaShoah Vagvura. And we all know that the day of Yom HaShoah was uh, specifically to, to, to align with the secular date of when the Warsaw Ghetto uh, uprising began. 
So the idea of pushing the heroes of the Warsaw Ghetto and Menachem Zemba being the religious hero in a sense of giving them the red flag, the flag to go off and fight. So there's been a lot of people who've been pushing that. Elberg here is pushing back. Again, make of it as you will. I actually found the same statement uh, that any Jew who dies because he's a Jew is considered dying in Kiddush Hashem. I don't need Menachem Zemba for it. It's also in the Mechtovim and the Maimorim of Rashach. Rashach, who also escaped Europe, and again, I don't know if he was, I'm not sure, you know, he might have been from the Rabbonim who were, you know, uh, jostling around and being saved from the yeshivas. You have to go in his history some more. But Rashach also wrote the same thing. It's in the Mechtovim Maimorim, that anyone who dies because he's a Jew has a halachic uh, uh, designation of dying the Kiddush Hashem. Um, yes. So this is just their interpretation of the Rambam? No. Because you, the way you read the Rambam, you didn't say No, no. Really? It can't come from the Rambam at all. The question is, where does it come from? So, so right. So where is this Rambam? So if you take a look at Rabbi o. Schwartz's article, uh, Rabbi o. Schwartz says he looked throughout the Sifriya Rambam. He wasn't able to find it anywhere. <laughs> Rabbi Huda, some people have said there is a, um, and that's why I penned it, uh, I, you might be familiar with the works of Yehuda Amichai. You know who he is, Yehuda Amichai. And others have said that the source of the Rambam is in uh, the Sefer Mitzvos. Others have said that the Rambam uh, that we're referring to is in his Igris, and specifically the Igris, which is called Igris Hashmad. So the Igris Hashmad is where you have to look. So I don't know if you see it there. And I have to, I'm going to say parenthetically, as a student, not a physical student, but as a, of Avraham of Salvechik, the Rav's son, as you know, the Geras Hashmad, that whole letter that the Rambam wrote for the Jews of Taman about how they should, because again, they were being lambasted for, as you know, they were being lambasted for um, openly practicing Islam, so to speak. They were they would make the Shavua that they mm-hmm. believed in Muhammad and they would actually go to the mosques in order to to avoid death. And they received a letter that what they did was Kfira and that they all should really they they've all were guilty of not being Makadash Hashem. They're all Machali Hashem. So the Rambam wrote a letter to them, the Jews of Taiman who were in that situation, and he defended what they did they say that if you go through the Geras Hashmad carefully, you'll see this idea. I, I, I didn't see it, but again, that's the places that people look for. Yisoyde Atayra, the Yada Chazoka, the Mishnah Torah, you're not going to find the Rambam saying that. The question is, from those other places. It doesn't say clearly in the Geras Hashmad that statement. It does not say that statement in the Geras Hashmad. What it does say, again, again, I, we don't have much time, but Rabbi Yudha Michai, Again, if you look at the article that I appended in the email from Yudha Mithai, he wants to suggest it based on the Sefer Mitzvos, which, which is, okay. Um, uh, okay, so that's this. Um, one of the, what Rav Yo Schwartz actually uh, quotes something in this respect. First, very Hasidish and brilliant, and then something a little more um, intellectually, uh, and, uh, and more perhaps, that we could perhaps understand a little bit better. Now, again, no one denies that... Um, okay, so let's start off before that quote. Um, there's been a theory, and you can see it in the... In the I, I mentioned this to, 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 to Gershon, in the Oitzra Chochma. I, I made a copy of it, of this back and forth. You know, Rav Moshe, I have to tell you, just parenthetically, Rav Moshe Feinstein hated... The debating of halachic issues in Torah, little these Torah journals like um, like Emzel's Torah journal, I forgot what it was called, Moor and Pardes. He felt that important issues like life and death and situations of like uh, like the one he was attacked on, which is um, um, artificial insemination and others. He said these booklets, these forums that come out every month and you pay 50 cents for the magazine and you have a subscription, it says none of these things should be where real halachic debate occur. This is popular reading for people after the trollant and something to pick up and to schmooze about. These should not be the forums for important uh, halachic uh, debate. 
And I think if Rav Moshe would have lived, he would have also done the same thing for all the websites and everything else, and all the back and forth, and all these forums. It's not really a proper place because people write things because they, they have a deadline and they've got to put it into the book. People write things because they're attacked. But again, we live in an information world where all information is equal. And if you can find something on some website or what someone says, that's equal to the Rambam in Hilfus Yisodi Ayatollah in people's minds. What do you do with instant gratification? Yeah, again, Ellie, good. Sociologically, there's a lot of reasons behind it. But my point is, if you look in that forum, and I, I, I downplay its significance, especially since over there nobody uses their names. If you look in that forum, one guy calls himself Tzofran Amosi from Eov, the other guy calls himself Barzilai, the other guy calls himself Chovev Svarim, and you know, and they're writing, and they're, they're what? No, no, it's, di- it's different people. They're fr- again, what we have today is people afraid to say who they are, and yet writing these lengthy things. But I, I did do a lot of research in that area, not a lot, but one of the things that was said, I'll tell you a couple of the ideas. One thing that was said was that you could call it Kiddush Hashem because obviously, let's talk about the 11 Pittsburgh Jews. Any one of them, and maybe any of us really, could have decided not to live like a Jew. Every single one of us in this room could have decided someday, I mean, again, the, the family might have, you know, they might not, they might have sat shiv on us and got upset, but any one of us could decide to live not like a Jew or not like a halachic Jew or not do anything. So that choice that we all have made and all those 11 made, that they were going to live as Jews and proud Jews and go to shul and go to shul every week, that itself was a choice versus deciding to not be recognized as that Jewish minority. And therefore, again, it's in one of those uh, forums, I forgot, it was either Tzoyfran Amosi or, yeah, I know it was, one of those, one of those, uh, uh, you know, illustrious sounding pseudonyms. But one of the svaras that was said that I thought it was interesting was that anybody who made, so anyone who's really, you could have, the fact, even though you weren't expecting to die, you thought you were coming to 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 to, to say kashem shin konas labris can you konas l'tayr uchupa or ma'isim tayvim you didn't work you didn't make a choice but the point was you made choices earlier in your life and those choices although they themselves listen to what I'm going to say weren't in themselves kiddush Hashem but when your death can be shown as a product of those choices so in that way you could say that the person chose to live as a Jew and since his death occurred, especially in those situations where he was situated as a Jew. So therefore you could say that it fits into the halachic rubric of the choice that you made. It's part of a Bechira. That was, again, one of the ideas that was made. I mentioned also to, to Gershon... So this would, this would eliminate that uh, policeman or security guard from Aronofshul he was doing his job. That's right. He was on the border. He was here. That's, he, that's right. Right. This, this would oh, this would this would mean correct. This would mean Kiddush Hashem <laughs> would apply to anyone. And I, where's the where is the choice that you say I'm going to live? The choice you made to be a Jew, whether it was a conservative Jew or an Orthodox Jew, whatever the type was, but to be a Jew, be part of Am Yisrael, and you knew you didn't have to make that choice. That itself becomes the the, the decision. It's not a one-day decision. It might be a decision that happened over years of your life, but that becomes the decision that turns your death into a misal kiddush Hashem because it was a choice. Because if you wouldn't have made that, you wouldn't have been in that show, you wouldn't have been the target. And that's one of the svaras that's in that website, in that forum. It's an interesting svar. You can adapt that, and if you look on that website, they do, because in Israel, unlike America, this is an event that shocks us to the bone. Eretz Yisrael, unfortunately, has so many incidents of people dying because they were Jews. And in Eretz Yisrael, they wanted to expand that idea, and again, I mentioned this to Gershon the other day, to, let's say, someone is living in the territories. He's living in, I don't want to call it the territories, he's living in Eretz Yisrael, but one of the disputed places in Eretz Yisrael that, that, that living there makes you a, a target. And you're just going among your life, but you believe that this is, you're doing the mitzvah of, of Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. Okay? You could do it in, in Beit Shemesh, but you believe and you've been trained to believe that the way you're making that mitzvah is and everywhere, and to spread the idea of a Baruch Hu's will. 
So even though you're not that religious or whatever it is, it doesn't make a difference in the way you're being Makai in the midst of Yeshav Eretz Yisrael, and that was your choice, and therefore you died. If somebody killed you, that person killed you because you were trying to, um, you were living to fulfill that mitzvah. So once again, even though you didn't have a choice, but you were killed because of the mitzvah of, of, of Yishev Eretz Yisrael, which to you took on that great sense of importance. So again, that's an example of expanding this idea of, of, of Kiddush Hashem to a choice that you made and a type of life that you had. So in that way, we could say, possibly, that, again, we should refer to the, all these people as Kedoshim. There's another approach, though, and I want to just share with you briefly uh, a statement of the Piasetzner. You know, I mentioned Menachem Zembo, but there was another great rabbinic figure in Warsaw. Now, in the Piasetzner, Piasetzner was a, a city that was close to Warsaw. It was about 15 kilometers away. Eventually, of course, uh, as the ghetto uh, closed in, the Rebbe, the Piasetzner Rebbe, ended up, of course, being, and everyone knows him as the Rebbe of the Warsaw ghetto. I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, there's one of the Rosh Hashivas, and now he's one of the Rosh Hashivas in YU, I believe, Rav Weinberg, right? Isn't he one of the Mashkiach? What do they call him? The Eish Kodesh was called the Mashkiach of YU? He's the Mashpi of YU. We know that he has somehow lived his rabbinic career uh, distilling the ideas of the Piasetz Nerebe, Rakhaman Klemenish, and that's the Eish Kodesh. So the Eish Kodesh says, you know, the Piasetz uh, uh, again, it's obviously one of the most incredible uh, svarim that you could read in terms of Torah and history all together. That's called Eish Kodesh, which is the his chidushim on Chumash and his Shalashidis Torah, as we say, that he said during the Warsaw get during this time in Warsaw, it was it was hidden uh, somewhere in some sort of uh, canister, and it was dug up after the war, and it was transported to Eretz Yisrael, and it was published. So it's incredible what he says. I just want to share with you one idea that he says there. We all know by the Akedah, there was the incredible machshava of God, of, of to do it, and the machshava of Avram and Yitzchak to have it done. We know that Avram was ready to kill his son. Yitzchak, we all know, was ready to die. Both of them were ready to fulfill the will of God, and the Malach stopped them. So Piasetsu says what occurred there was the old Avram and Yitzchak as our parents represent the total machshava and choice for God. But what were they missing? The Misa. They were missing the actual death of saying, yes, you're ready to do it, but in the end of the day, you didn't do it. Uh, there are a lot of stories, you know, the Vaitsanarov and his say from Akach Hashem speaks about many people who say, I was greater than Avram, because I, you know, the famous story, I talked about it last year, that he was ready to give up his son where, where Avram was ready but didn't do it. And this was a boy, a man who could have replaced his son with someone in the, uh, in the, uh, who was on the list. So many people can say, since the time of Avram and Yitzchak, look at how the children have actually fulfilled Messiah Resnefesh, actually given up their lives, more than Avram and Yitzchak did. Of course, Avram and Kibshan Ha'esh. Pesetzer actually puts a twist on it. And he says, they supply the Machshava. And Klau Yisrael, throughout the generations, supply the Maisa. Meaning, all the people who died, even when they weren't doing it out of a, 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 a willful act of acceptance, they represent the second part of the Akedah. Pesetzner says, let me explain it better, that the Akedah is still going on. In other words, the Akedah has the Machshava part, which was Avram and Yitzchok's actions, and then all the deaths of everyone in the Holocaust who died forcefully, or anybody who was targeted because he was a Jew, where there was no Machshava, represents in Pesetzner's mind the Akedah, because it's the extension of the Akedah. If the Akedah needs to have both, it needs to, in order for it to be the true Kiddush Hashem that God wanted it, so therefore all the Machshavas of Avram and Yitzchak are downloaded into every Jew who dies, even though they don't have that will and didn't know about it. But their deaths help Avram and Yitzchak, sort of in a way, because they complete the idea of the Akedah. That's like an incredible Siddish of art from the Piasetz there. It's like, it's really mind blowing if you think about it. Really, right. But then Rav Schwartz uh, says something which I've seen in many sources, and that's something, and you can see it on that on that forum as well. 
We have a belief that uh, when Jews are attacked, it isn't just the way uh, CNN or even Fox or anybody else is going to describe it or or the BBC, that here it is, it's a, a terrorist act, there's been a lot of um, a hatred that Trump is stirred up or someone else or the alt-right or Steve Bannon or I don't know, has stirred up a lot of hatred, and this is an example of a sociological phenomena of what has occurred. That's the way a scientist looks at it, not a real scientist, but a sociologist and others look at the fact that these deaths and human beings are all anyway primed for war, and this is Bosnia, and this is Serbia, and this is everything. It's all, there's one way to look at it. And of course, that way looks at it without God and the Torah being central. We believe we're the Amasha, and we believe that God shows us and therefore, any attack, whether it's known or not, is an attack on the Jewish people and on the will of God. Now, the people doing it might not have known that, and they don't necessarily—they're not necessarily religious or even know about our religious ideas. But what occurs under the headlines, what occurs in, as, from what we know, because we're going to go daven and, and appeal to a God in that way, is that this is an attack on the people of God. Whatever Bowers is thinking, whatever anyone is thinking. It's an, on a metaphysical level, it's an attack on the Am Hashem. And anybody, even though, and here's Rabbi Schwartz's top, even someone who doesn't even recognize himself of being from the Am Hashem, is the Am Hashem, just like the Nazis understood, essentially, that if you're born from a Jewish mother especially, you are the Am Hashem. Even though they themselves didn't necessarily look at it that way. Even though they looked at it as... It's, we're going to eradicate the race. We're, going to erad- we're not going to eradicate the religion, we're going to eradicate the race. So Schwartz says there's a panemius of our existence, and that's something that we all believe in. So therefore, even though, <laughs> the same way there's a Kiddush Hashem Begoli, which the Rambam spoke about, the Kiddush Hashem of the choice, of the decision, the way it was throughout Spain, throughout uh, all these situations, but there's also a Kiddush Hashem Anistar, because behind everything is the fight against God. And that uh, and again, it's, a, it's, it's not a politically correct statement to make. It goes against the analysis you're going to hear. But, it, but it's, it's based on the fact that there's a hashkocha protis and everything is really based on God's will and that we exist through God's will and therefore the people who are attacking us, whether they know it or not, are attacking God and the will of God and the deaths that occur are, in a sense, an attack on the Rabbeinu Shalom and therefore people who die for that cause, who are the korbonos in that, become part of the idea of Kiddush Hashem. This is a, 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 an idea. And Rabbi Schwartz says, if you look on, at, at the appended email, he doesn't say it's his, own, it's his own idea. It's something now. There are cynics, however, I have to respond here, who say that this idea is manufactured. I don't know, I'm looking around the room here, maybe some of you think it's manufactured as well. Some people believe that it's a manufactured idea that we need. Because otherwise, how do you live? How do you go on after these type of tragedies? After the Holocaust or after any of these? How, uh, uh, If you're not going to ascribe to these people the din of Kedoshim, then you're going to fall into depression and a sense of anger, a sense of, uh, of, of, of helplessness. So some have said, even from people, that I'm not going to talk about this publicly because let the people who have suffered believe that they that their children or parents or husbands and wives died in the battle for Kiddush Hashem. But at the end of the day, this is a nice philosophical idea that makes you feel good when you go to sleep at night and maybe to deal with the world, but it might not necessarily be. Now, let me step back for a second. Okay, they're not they're not necessarily the Madrega of Kiddush Hashem, but they could still be Kiddushim. In other words, you could die, even if you want to say your death is not al Kiddush Hashem, we could still say B'mayus Kiddushim Tahorim. The raya that everyone brings for this is this tshuva of the Chsam Seifer. So let's take a look at that and maybe we'll end with that idea. Um, let me go back here. Tzvi is gone, but I can handle this. Um, okay. All right. Can everybody see the board?
Okay. So here's the question that came up of some Sefer. It was in 1811. So some Sefer, it's an incredible tshuva. Every, you know what, the first in, in, in Chicago, uh, he should be gesund, doesn't give out smicha easily. But every person who comes to him for a bechina and smicha, he makes sure that he, he asks him, Sporadic questions from the Chassam Soifer's Juvas. He won't give smicha to anyone unless the person has a a, a, a solid base in the Chassam Soifer's Juvas, and not because of the information. It's about how a poisik needs to work. So anyway, here's a true Chassam Soifer. Here was the question: There, a person came. I guess it was to Pre, uh, to Preshburg, uh, someone who was killed by an Akum Rotzeich. Everyone see the first line: Haviu Lakan Ish Kadosh. Hanerag biyad akum rotzeach, a a a kadosh who was killed by a non-Jewish murderer, and um, he was going to be buried on Sunday. Some sefer gives us his name for history, David uh, Shacharlos, and he says Hashem yukum domen, yukum domov. Vahoyis vahoyiski ziknei v'roisha chaver kedisha yibeshuk pest. Everybody's got to do business. So the heads of the Hebrew Kaddish were at the Yerid, were at the market, which would sometimes take a week or two. Uh, that's where they would do all the financial business there. So the heads of the Hebrew Kaddish weren't there. Obviously they had people, the burial people, but the official heads of the Hebrew Kaddish were not in town. Should we give this person a burial with where his parents are? Why not? Maybe Maybe we should give him a, a, a place in a separate spot in the Jewish cemetery. Why? Because Chazal saying Ksuvis and Sanhedrin and other places that din dawad misus which means that a person who was who violated one of the reasons why he be put to death, God still takes care of that person in a way, in a negative way, and He causes him to get killed. Someone who's chayiv saif, the government will get a hold of him and cut his head off. In other words, don't think that God, even though there's no base on Mikdash and no Sanhedrin, isn't get, getting rid of the people who violate the Jewish law of capital offenses. So they figured the guy was killed by Ritzeach. Maybe he, isn't that an indicator that he was high of Misa? In other words, he died in such a terrible way. Again, you're right. The question is no, is not PC at all. But the fact that he died this way, maybe we should assume, maybe we should assume that he was, he died because God was putting him to death for some capital offense that he had. So, some sefer took the question seriously. I looked in the Rishonim, Shochanach, I didn't find anything. But I said like this. He said, if the Hever Kadisha was here, I wouldn't stop them. Because if they have a, a minig like this, that anybody who gets killed by Goyim doesn't get buried in his normal place, I would not have said anything because I'm only the rabbi. I'm not going to undo years of the, of the, of the custom of the Hever Kadisha. Good lesson, by the way, for rabbis. But he says, I believe that we, that he need, he should be buried properly. He says, first of all, he brings a riot from the Sefer Achsidim. I'll skip that to the where it says here, the line here. The Ein Loimar, he says, maybe Shagama Rosho, Hoyenerig Bideyakum. Maybe he's a Rosha. That's why a guy killed him. So he says the following. Once a person is killed as a Jew, you call Avadecha. Now this, of course, is based on the pasuk in Tillim that says, "Bo goyim benachlesecha zeidim behechalecha." This is the pasuk that says that the Chorban, that the troops came in, the Romans, whoever it was, came in, and were killing Jews. So the pasuk says, quoted by the Gemara in Sanhedrin, that if it says that it says that the chasidecha were given, everybody know the pasuk I'm talking about? Chasidecha were given. Um, Lamisa and the Avodecha Lamaychole Haof. So, which means that even though the people who were guilty of bringing the Chorban, who weren't doing tshuva, but if they were killed by a guy, they have the level, based on the Gemara and Sanhedrin and the Pasuk and Tilim, they have the level of a Evet Hashem. 
anyone who's killed by a goy, and he says it's better than being killed by Misa's Bezdin. <laughs> if you're killed by Misa's Bezdin, the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, that 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 you that till the body till the body starts to uh, actually uh, decompose, you don't have true kapara by the by the irani dachas because it says that the it says the people were killed by irani dachas. The Gemara says why can't you be why can't you be of their korbanos? They were killed, so their korbanos aren't the korbanos of Rishayim. So the Gemara says because they were killed by a Jewish bezdin. But if a non-Jewish authority kills a Jew, so then they have a madrego, the Gemara says, um, take a look, Mishan is chayiv, sayif, nimser, it says, if someone is killed by a, a, a Jew, a non-Jew, I'm sorry, havile kapara, afilu, you see up here, afil meis mitach rishoy, even if he's still a rasha, because it says, nasnu es avadecha, I'm losing the place, meichol of if somebody is, he didn't do tshuva at all, but he was killed in this un, uh, incredible way, this unusual, terrible way, then you call that person an Eved Hashem. And therefore, if there's a kapara, afilu meis mitoyich Even if he dies as a Russia, even if he didn't do a tshuva at all, the Gemara calls him an Eved Hashem. So therefore, he says, actually, if you get killed by Bezim Shal Yisrael, he says, you have to wait, Achal So therefore, he shows you, now, based on this Shuvah Chassam Seifer, first of all, as you can see, he called, as he says here, even before he gets buried, Kari Avadecha. Because the Neve was ready for the bird, to the vulture, to come and get it. So you see, Me'ata Shaniktalu, once he's killed, I don't care what his life was before, the Chassam Seifer says, he's called an Eved Hashem, and he's Nischa, he gets Kapara. So therefore, no matter what he did, you need to bury him properly. Um, and he says, at the end here again, he says, They didn't ask me, I would have just let them bury, if the head of the Hebrew Kedisha was here, I would have just let them do what they do. I underline this because this is a good lesson for all of us. You came to me for the Shiloh. I'm going to tell you what I think is right. I know it's going to stir some feathers up. And he says, Hashem Yatzel. So based on this Shuvah Kisam Soifer, we seem to have a, uh, and again, it's based on the Gemara and then the Pasuk can tell him that anyone who gets killed by a non-Jew, even if that Ritzayach in that case just targeted him, even if he didn't know he was Jewish, but a Jew that is killed unnaturally based on this Gemara has a din of a Eved Hashem. And it's Nishapir. Allah has come of a comma, somebody who was in a shul and was practicing. So, whether it's Kiddush Hashem Mamish, but he definitely, his Misa is definitely a Kapara, and based on this, he would have the din of an Eved Hashem. So, uh, these Avde Hashem, these Mesim, like Rav Nachum Zemba and the Rambam, these Kiddushim, again, I, I, we try to do justice to them, we should again, just try to, let's, let's try to work on not only coming in and learning together, but also being Mishaset Echen HaMasheni, uh, it's one of the greatest things we could do to be maktish, uh, be maktish, whether it's saying tilim. Again, Mirta Shem, the should be all these type of tsaras. We shouldn't have to have these type of things. And uh, we should try to be mala there, zikar, in any possible way we can. Have a good day, Rabbi Sam.